Hello, uh, and welcome to another Bomb Squad bonus cast. Um, I am your host and master of ceremony for this evening, uh, Joseph Henry Brennick. Today I have with me... Hi, I'm Weird Austin's Weebleman. <laughs> yeah, um, and if you can't tell by the little reference uh, uh, Austin made there, and if you couldn't tell by our uh, little uh, food uh, trial thing video that we made of the twinkie wiener sandwich uh today we're uh we're talking about uhf um and we're doing this right after the uh recording where i ate the twinkie wiener sandwich so if if you hear me drinking that's why well, i mean that's kind of an unusual that's kind of a usual thing it's just i'm drinking some kind of drink on the podcast but if you hear me drinking a lot on this podcast it's because i'm trying to wash down the taste of it that shit was nasty Jeez, you're talking like Siskel and Ebert after they saw this movie back in 89. Oh, no. <laughs> you're talking like all the critics back in 89. This is sort of in the same realm as uh, The Thing, where it was lambasted to shit back in the time that it came out and didn't really achieve success until it was picked up by cable TV, like VHS. The VHS sold pretty well until it went out of print, and since then it's gone on to be a cult classic among fans of Weird Al and sort of absurdist comedy in general. It, it also shares a, a very interesting little uh, coincidence with the thing as well. It was released during a summer, well, specifically UHF was specifically released during a very busy blockbuster summer. Yes, it was. Uh, my, my God, uh, do, do we just want to list off the movies that came out that year? I got them uh, right here. Uh, this is just in the summer, to my knowledge. Like, the few weeks around uh, the release of UHF. Batman, Lethal Weapon 2, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Do the Right Thing, Ghostbusters 2, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Dead Poets Society, and When Harry Met Sally. That was UHF's competition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no wonder this movie fucking bombed. It released during the... <laughs> like, not not only, like, one of the biggest summers for blockbusters, but the summer of Batman. Mm -hmm. Like, e everything just got overshadowed by Batman that year. Specifically that one. And uh, uh, the reason, probably, that they had the cojones to release this around that time was... This actually tested extremely well. This was made by Orion Pictures, which has been dead for a long time until it came back. Uh, but they, uh, they they did, like, focus groups, audience testing before this, and it got the highest scores they had seen since they did RoboCop. This tested as well <laughs> as RoboCop did. So they were talking to Weird Al, and they're like, hey, we want to establish, like, a big relationship with you. We want you to be our Woody Allen. You're going to be our comedy genius boy. And this came out, and it was a $5 million budget, and it made about $6.1 million back. So they barely broke even on budget, probably didn't cover marketing, and then Weird Al just went into depression because the next, like, few months was everyone at Orion Pictures just not talking to him when he showed up to the office, avoiding eye Aww. contact. And um, I think his album released after this was also, like, a moderate flop, and uh, all the reviews were, like, highly negative. So, uh, except for one, uh, there was some TV guy who did a good review, and he had to actually almost apologize for giving this a good review. That's how badly critics hated this movie. So oh, this, God. This was, could, you could say this is the lowest time, the lowest period in Weird Al Yankovic's career, which is absurd because we're watching this now, and... Everyone loves UHF, right? 
I, I, I assume so if they've even heard of it. I, I, I think part of it has, uh, I, I don't even want to say it's like been forgotten to time because there's still people who like know and love UHF, but you, you don't hear like, especially, you don't, you really don't hear people our age talking about it. You hear like mostly like people in their like thirties and forties, like talk about this fondly. Um, but like, it, it, it's kind of got an untapped market. I think it's just mostly a cult hit at this point. You uh, wanted to ask a question previously, like, how did we stumble upon the movie? Do you want to go yeah. first, or should I go first? Uh, you know, I'll go first, because, um, and, um, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll start first, because um, I'll talk more about this, but uh, and I, 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 it's safe to assume that everyone on the Bomb Squad I uh, can say this, uh, but I grew up with Weird Al. Weird Al's kind of just been around my entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, for the longest time, because uh, I actually didn't get to watch this movie until I was like in my late teens, because that's when I was actually able to find a copy of it. Um, but for the longest time, this movie just existed as clips uh, that I would find <laughs> on YouTube. Yeah. And I, and I remember very specifically when I was like maybe 12 and I was going through like a humongous like uh weird al phase where i was just like non-stop listening to weird al um the summer of 2008 what a magical time uh <laughs> but um i was looking up weird al stuff and uh i had come across firstly it was uh the rambo parody so uh-huh. i had watched that like on repeat constantly <laughs> and then that that would be followed up by um I think it was Conan the Librarian was next, and then Wheel of Fish. So, the, the, like, I had no idea what it was from, and I found out that it was from a movie, and then I found out that my library didn't have it, and we didn't have, uh, well, my family didn't have Netflix, and streaming wasn't an option. So, I kind of just went a very long time without seeing UHF. And then I found a copy of it, finally watched it, I liked it at the time. We'll we'll talk more about it later. I still like it. Spoilers, but uh, Austin, I want to hear from you. How, how did you hear about this? How did you come across UHF? Um, I I grew up with this friend group who I met in high school, uh, composed of Justin Dieters, Brendan Cherry, and Jake Howell, and uh, they were some of the most interesting kids who went to my high school, and we briefly formed a fake band together. Uh, but they. I I don't know. They had somehow stumbled upon ancient knowledge of cooler things. Uh, Like one time we had a record listening party when Jake got a copy of Frank Zappa's Thing Fish that hadn't been opened yet. Uh, Like I would have never encountered Frank Zappa if not for these guys. All my other friends were into much more mainstream bullshit. And so I was uh, shown all kinds of crazy stuff. Funky Forest, First Contact, and one of the things that Justin and them decided to introduce to me, I think, was UHF, because Justin was a big Weird Al fan. Uh, They both had the same thing in common, Justin and Weird Al. They were both only children who really loved Elton John, and that kind of got them into music. So, I don't know, maybe (laughs) Justin shared some kinship with Weird Al. And uh, so that was the first time I watched UHF was in my friend's basement. Another time I grew back to UHF was I had a film censorship kick. And I had never met anyone in the world who also had a film censorship kick like I did. Where I wanted to see all the stuff that ever got cut from movies or cut for TV. Like I, I wanted to see everything that ever got censored. Uh, you know, for being too graphic or anything. And uh, this led you me and to I Conan. Been like, 
Sorry, you, you and I would have been like really good friends in high school. I believe uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you, you uh, Conan the Librarian, not Librarian, Barbarian, I assume. Uh, no, Conan the Librarian. Uh, I, I was reading, like, there used to be this big Wikipedia page about, like, films that had been censored or altered, and uh, one of them was Conan the Librarian in UHF. A lot of TV networks cut the shot of him slicing a kid in half down the middle. And most people, like, who are horror fans know that's, like, insane to put in your movie. Cutting someone in half, like, horizontally, perfectly normal. You know, that's just some metal shit. Cutting someone in half down the middle? That's a crazy effect. It's way more <laughs> hardcore for some reason. So I was I was stunned to find that there was this comedy movie, Weird Al made, where as a gag, they have a shot where someone gets cut in half vertically. <laughs> Yeah, I remember that shot, like, very specifically when I was younger sticking with me for the longest time. It was just like, Jesus Christ, this is a comedy? <laughs> what's What's funny is on the commentary, Al was talking about uh, the studio. They briefly thought they could get a PG rating out of this. And Conan the Librarian cutting a dude in half down the middle was not a consideration for making this PG-13. Surprisingly, it was uh, the woodshop scene was what made this a PG-13 with that famous comedian whose name is escaping me. Who's that Emo, guy? Emo Phillips. Emo Phillips with his d wonderful voice getting a 30-cent <laughs> royalty check and love bragging about it on uh, Behind the Music. Uh <laughs> That was what made it PG-13, and uh, Raul throwing poodles out the window. Those were the two things that made this PG-13, which makes me laugh thinking of, like, a PG movie with a Schwarzenegger ripoff cutting a kid in half down the middle. God, that's... Of all the things to make it PG-13, oh, man, the MPAA is fucked up. They, they have some goofy rules. But yeah, that's I guess that's how both of us stumbled upon UHF. And it's been a while since I've revisited it. And right now, uh, if anyone's like listening to this, it is up for free on YouTube. You can watch it with ads. We are in a glorious time in history because uh, this D this uh, the VHS and Laserdiscs and all that went out of print in 1996. And until 2002, when the DVD came out, you had to pay buku bucks to own UHF. So now that you can go watch it for free on YouTube, it's a big deal. Anyone could get into this. So I'm hoping that it, you know, sort of kicks up in popularity with people as young as us. Maybe. Yeah. It's, yeah. Hope. I, I highly doubt that this podcast will do that. But, uh, I mean, the Weird Al, uh, Weird the Al Yankovic story did come out. So hopefully that'll. Uh... That'll get some butts in the seats uh, for YouTube. Uh, but yeah, uh, fuck yeah. Let's talk about the actual movie. Uh, why, <laughs> why, why, why do I sound very out of it? Oh, uh, you I, ate a Twinkie Wiener sandwich, man. You're about to see God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's what's it. It's just the Twinkie Wiener sandwich uh, uh, really getting to me. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'll just get into our general thoughts. Uh, and I'll go back to you, Austin. What, what do you think of UHF? Um, I, I mean, I still absolutely love it. I agree with Jay Bauman's initial conceit on the review that it's hard to be objective about this movie because you look at, like, the 60-something percent RT score, and I don't want to, like, fist fight it, you know? It's not that bad. I'm like, I could see how some people this isn't their bag. But for me, this is 200% my bag. I, uh, I had only watched this once for the podcast, and I have seen it three times 
before I even watched the DVD commentary, I watched this three times for fun. I don't know if I've ever done that for, like, a Bomb Squad recording. UHF <laughs> goes down like the cleanest pill you've ever taken. And it is so good. And um, also, I, I think I watched it three times because the v volume of gags is sort of surreal in this. You know, it's not like Caddyshack where sometimes you're just kind of waiting a while until the funny part you can show your friends. If you pop on UHF for people, immediately they're going to get assaulted with, with signs telling Indiana Jones <laughs> not to proceed and, and weird animal noises coming out. Like, right off the bat, there's just a million things. And, uh... I, I know that it's, like, the most conventional Save the Rec Center plot, but I think that it's very funny. Also, it has the absurdity of sort of, like, uh, Cosmo Kramer being this uh, normal guy who saves the station just by being lovably wacky. And it, it also plays kind of interesting because Stanley Spadowski, the character that Kramer is playing, um, he, he's just not that interesting when you look at him. But the whole, like, in the movie, they react to him like he's the most advanced, like, like he's the guy from Network doing the big speech, you know? <laughs> They're treating him like he's delivering Patty Chayefsky dialogue while he's twirling around an army soldier on the end of a string <laughs> and making, like, wee-hoo noises. It's so odd. And just something about all of that is so wholesome and delightful <coughs> to me. Uh, I, I absolutely fucking love this movie. What do you think about it, Joe? Oh, man, I love it. Uh, you, you brought the Indiana Jones thing, and I completely forgot to mention this in the prior question, because I'm remembering this now, because I actually discovered UHF much, much uh, earlier in life. I want to say when I was in third grade, we Ooh. had a game. It was called Seen It Junior. And one of the clips that they had in Seen It Junior was of UHF, and it was of the, uh, the Indiana Jones parody. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah, he's snatching the Oscar, and then it ends with him getting chased by the boulder, um, to which, um, like, I, I always wanted to know what that movie was, because I wanted to see it. It looked hilarious, and then I just never watched it until I was, like, in my late teens. And funnily enough, I had not even seen Raiders of the Lost Ark by that point, but I knew mm -hmm. what Indiana Jones was. Like, I recognized the boulder. So, like... Like, having watched that, like, scene play out, all I could think of was, hey, it's the scene at Junior clip from that movie. <laughs> <laughs> How bizarre. What a weird way to encounter the movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, it, it's something. But, uh, yeah, uh, go, going back to my thoughts on it, uh, I, I really enjoy this movie. Uh, for starters, it, it's 90 minutes long, like 97 mm. minutes in total, I think, which... My God, for but that that just needs to be the standard length for comedies, because uh, <laughs> it, it's just nah, perfect, perfect amount of time. Get in, get out, uh, get a couple laughs, boom. Uh, comedies don't need to be more than fucking two two and a half hours. But take note, Judd Apatow. Uh, oh God, please. Yeah, <laughs> after the bubble, take note. <laughs> um, but. Yeah, it's 90 minutes long. It's practically a gag-a-minute movie. Um, it is 100% what I expect from Weird Al in terms of humor. Like, not not even just parodies, but just, like, the, the wacky cartoonish violence mm -hmm. that he will often throw into his... Uh, into like his music videos sometimes even his songs uh, uh it, it, since it's like november and the holidays are coming up uh check out the night santa went crazy oh my uh, god 
Used to watch the Flash animation of that on Newgrounds. It was brutal. <laughs> yeah, I, I I saw that on YouTube. It was it was wonderful. Um, but God, uh, UHF. I, uh, uh, it, it, it's getting it's getting to a point where it's like I, I want to start like like quoting the movie, but like this movie is like endlessly quotable. We'll probably just like do like a general discussion of just like bits in this. Mm-hmm. Um, I know and I know you've got trivia, but uh, th- this movie is insanely quotable. Uh, Weird Al is actually not that bad of an actor. He, he's he's actually fairly likable in this, but let us be honest, it is Michael Richards that fucking steals the movie. Like, oh yeah, he he easily he's arguably the star of the movie, because uh, uh, he's, he's playing a cartoon character in this, and it's wonderful. My mom, we've never <laughs> been apart. It's it's like that, and we'll probably like uh, we we'll, we'll try not to do do it this much like as many times. Uh, but it's like I gotta bring up the uh, the review that uh, Red Letter Media did. It's like. Like, they mentioned how it's just like, yeah, it's hilarious, but it's also kind of endearing. Like, it's done so over the top, but it's, like, so in character that it's just like, aw, you feel for the guy. Yeah, the thing they were referencing in the review is how there's a scene where R.J. Fletcher, the villain, uh, he gives this unhinged rant about how much he hates the town, uh, and he calls (laughs) them things like pus brains. It's sort of written where, like, the most brutal things people say are basically kid insults. To quote Red Letter Media, and that's sort of a delightful thing. Uh, One thing I think is bizarre about this movie is that it's one of those places where, like, screaming humor works. Because I feel like a lot of people growing up in, like, the public school system in America met a kid who thought it was funny just to scream stuff. And if you don't think this is a successful model for comedy, I hate to tell you how many subs the Fred YouTube channel used to have in its heyday. But it's really hard to make screaming into, like, decent comedy. And that's one of the things that Weird Al specifically shines within this movie, is sometimes out of nowhere, he'll just, like, when he's saying, like, bash my head in with a crowbar, or when he's (laughs) on the answering machine shouting, I'm in hell, out of nowhere. (laughs) Like, it's really just, like, in the hands of almost anybody else, that would be terribly obnoxious and, like, like cloying and shitty. And Weird Al somehow has the voice where it works. And that is so hard to do. Oh, God, yeah. Plus, uh, this is... Uh, UHF stands for Ultra High Frequency. Uh, this is, like, uh, one of the things that makes this weird um, is... It sort of gives you an impression of how much the establishment used to have a chokehold on media back in Weird Al's day. How much of a novelty it would be to have a, a, a commercial called Spatula City. Because, like, <laughs> these days, in order to be absurd, you have to put, like, an E on Lord Farquaad's face and then put Markiplier's face on Lord Farquaad. But back then, like, th- to be zany and random, all you had to do was say shit like, Lesbian Nazi hookers abducted by UFOs and forced into weight loss programs. (laughs) Because it was so outside the box and like, uh, what is it? It's like anarchic is the word. It's anarchy what he did. He was like getting this movie made and getting to put this much of his spin on it actually was kind of a novelty back in 89. This is so far before YouTube, you know? Right, yeah. That's... Another thing that's fucking incredible about this movie. Also, it's got the sexiest Jewish woman who ever lived in it. That's right. <laughs> Fran Drescher, before the nanny. Ooh. Ah, uh, Fran Drescher. 
Uh, yeah, t ton of people, like, either, well, n no, uh, fucking, god, wh what's his face that played Jompy? Jompy already existed by that point. But, like, my Michael Richards, that this was the same year as Seinfeld, uh, a couple years later than Annie would start. It's a lot of, like, uh, a lot of, uh, somewhat, like, either soon-to-be big names or names that were already kind of established in this movie, uh, uh, what what's her face that plays the girlfriend? V Victoria Jackson, I think, was on SNL by this point. That was what she was known for, yeah. And I think that's all she's ever going to be known for at this point. Uh, uh, well, people kept bringing that up. What is she? What did she go down for? I know what Kramer went down for. What did Vicky Jackson do? Uh, she was um, uh, so basically she became kind of like a Kirk Cameron, like one of those like. Uh, bizarro christian type people oh no and, 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 yeah she found god the most punishable offense in show business yep uh, she she pulled a kirk cameron on on the world well that's just, goofy yeah. thanks for filling me in <laughs> oh man uh so god i uh, i do not think it's a coincidence that get a watanabe and Trinidad Silva are introduced in the same shot uh, over, you know, the Indiana Jones thing where, thing where the credits are coming in. They introduce those two specifically at the same shot, and I was like, "Huh, I wonder what these two have in common." <laughs> oh man, the, the the arguably some of the most bizarre uh, bits in the in the entire thing. Uh, <laughs> uh, like I, 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 I talked a little bit because I referenced it in our uh, res one of the Resident Evil two highlights I did earlier this year. Uh, but um, I, I would argue, other than Michael Richards, uh, whenever Gendy Watanabe is on on screen, he just fucking steals the show. Just screaming, stu like calling people stupid the entire time. <laughs> oh man! Uh, but the the Trinidad Silva character. For, for, for some reason on like these recent like rewatches because i watched this twice for uh the, the bonus cast just his bit alone just like had me in stitches it's like throwing like turtles out of the ceiling making them stick <laughs> then starts throwing, <laughs> throwing dogs out the window to make them fly there's shaking like up an ant farm <laughs> there's like a pile of dogs that's like right underneath his apartment building <laughs> <laughs> this is a and they don't even know where that guy came from. <laughs> this is an important part of the movie's production. The movie is dedicated to Trinidad Silva uh, because he was unfortunately killed by a drunk driver shortly after they wrapped filming. Oh. And uh, they were going to have more Trinidad Silva in the movie. Uh, for instance, I think they were trying to... Like, originally, the scene where the package from R.J. Fleischer is delivered to the UHF station, it was supposed to be Trinidad Silva delivering the package. And there is a scene uh, that was supposed to be near the end of the movie where the poodles get revenge on Raul. And uh, you would think <laughs> that this is lost to time. Like, they didn't shoot it before he was unfortunately killed. And I, on the deleted scenes, you can see a little flash of Raul running covered in these poodles that are biting the shit out of him. So <laughs> I guess that scene survives. And Weird Al just didn't put the whole thing in the deleted scenes. So you can actually find that. But yeah, hmm. that's the most unfortunate thing about UHF is that Trinidad Silva died tragically before the movie came out 
and uh, has to be mentioned whenever this movie is talked about because you know it's it's the last thing he got to do and he died way too soon. But his character is fucking zany, and it would have been nice to see him because this movie does a really good job of bringing everything back uh, near the end. And it would have been nice to see Raul, you know, have have his arc closed off along with everybody else's. Yeah, uh, but man, oh man. Those stinking otters. We don't want no stinking otters. <laughs> I thought it was we don't want no stinking badgers. Oh, bad. Oh yeah, badgers, badgers. I got it wrong. <laughs> the treasure yeah. of the Sierra Madre reference. <laughs> we don't need no stinking badger. Oh, speaking of references, the one that I always forget is in this movie is the Close Encounters one, where he's like the- uh, forming the devil's thumb and the mashed potatoes. <laughs> this means You're- something. <laughs> You were probably thinking of otters because of the uh, car salesman who was trying to club a seagull. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> got so got so many cars, he could choke a whole camel with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got a club of seal to get a better deal. That shit's so good. I mean, what an excellent like vehicle for delivering a ton of parody content is just, oh, he owns a low-budget TV station and they do whatever they want. Because it reminds me of like pirate radio. Like, it's kind of a fun thing to watch movies about back when sort of regulations on content were way more stringent and some group of misfits like hijacks the signal and puts a bunch of weird shit that's not supposed to be out there on air. There's not many movies like that, but UHF is definitely one of them and that's part of its appeal. Oh, the, um, the the fucking Spatula City commercial. I gotta ask, have you ever seen the uh, YouTube video Big Bill Hell's Cars? Yes, I have. (laughs) Fuck you, Baltimore! Like, that reminded me so much of Big Bill Hell's. I actually looked up when the Big Bill Hell tape was supposedly made, and it was made after UHF. So they could have been inspired by gonna, Spatula City. <laughs> I was gonna say if it came out after, it's it's a there's a chance, but you never know. Uh, <laughs> but God, Spatula City. What 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 better way to say I love you than with the gift of a spatula? Uh, do, uh, do you know who? Um, I think it's Cy Greenbloom. One sec, I gotta I gotta pull this fucking thing up. Where is it? Okay, so so it is Cy Greenbloom. That is actually a reference to an old Remington Shavers ad with a guy named Victor Kayam. He'd come on the screen in, like, the 80s and be like, I like the Shavers so much, I bought the company. Because <laughs> some of these references, they are admittedly fucking before my time, and I did not learn about them through cultural osmosis like we did with Indiana Jones. Uh, right. Like... Stay Fit with Mike and Spike is a reference to Mike and Spike's Festival of Animation, which we mentioned, we should have mentioned on the uh, It's Such a Beautiful Day podcast, because they were one of the, they were like this big thing for indie animation, and they um, introduced some of Hertzfeld's early work to a lot of people. Um, and then, one sec, so the uh, fucking, you know how Weird Al is going through Al Capone's glove box on Town Talk? Right, yeah. Okay, so that is actually a reference to television history that is before our time. Get this. In 1986, Geraldo Rivera did a special called The Mystery of Al Capone's Vault. It was a two-hour live <laughs> event where they dug up some, some of Al Capone's shit, and they basically just found dirt and bottles. 30 million viewers watched this, making it the highest-rated syndicated special in history. It was one of the greatest national embarrassments in the history of TV. It was just two hours of Geraldo Rivera being like, we're having our top men open the safe now. And then the last five minutes are just him being like, well, we didn't find anything. 
<laughs> God. Oh, man. The, the, what, what a time to be alive was back then. Uh, you ever I, wonder why Gen X is so um, cynical about media? It's because Geraldo Rivera lied about finding some of Al Capone's old secrets. <laughs> God. Roadmaps! <laughs> oh, God. I, uh... To my knowledge, I was trying to figure out how, how to one-up the Red Letter Media video, because this is the kind of movie, like, we just did Two Towers, and Two Towers has, like, for every single, like, Lord of the Rings movie, there's, like, eight hours of bonus features, carefully created for, like, the appendices, right? And, uh, you, there's just, everything about those films is made public. And I figured UHF, little $5 million movie that flopped at the box office, there is no way to know more about it than the Red Letter Media guys. And I found, I think it was three things uh, that helped out. And it was the Behind the Music documentary on Weird Al. It was the DVD commentary for the movie itself. And the, the secret third one that I can't remember. <laughs> oh, but the secret third one, I love it. The secret third one I'll remember in a minute. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I was able to just uh, go through the commentary track, and one thing that's very evident about Weird Al is that dude actually, he wasn't lying when he said he's never taken any drugs or drank in his life, because he remembers the address of every place they went filming this movie. It's like, it's like hearing a robot talk about a movie the robot made. It's incredible. Oh, I've never heard, seen a DVD commentary track like this, because to my knowledge, it was recorded in, like, 2001, 2002, so before Wikipedia... And he had Wikipedia-level knowledge of the fucking movie. It's an incredibly insightful hour and 30 minutes if you ever want to give it a listen. So I've got this, like, long string of trivia when you want to get into it, and I'd love to hear your reactions to some of these. When it's time, of course. But, yeah, just a little advance notice. If anybody wants to know a ton about UHF, uh, Behind the Music and uh, the DVD commentary track are a great place to start. Hell yeah. God, the uh, the Behind the Music on Weird Al, that's... Uh... That, that is a watch. I, I recommend that, too. Uh, it, it's up on YouTube, split into three parts, and it's very, very good. Uh, you can learn all about Weird Al's upbringing and what his parents were actually like, because the Weird movie was, uh, it took some liberties with Weird Al. Yeah, uh, and we'll, we'll, we should probably save our thoughts for that, because we, we want to do a bonus cast on Weird at some point. Absolutely. Uh, which... Uh, we'll we'll do like a quick spoilers of that. Uh, it's good. Go watch it. Uh, it it's available like UHF. It's available for free online with ads. Mm -hmm. So uh, you have you have no excuse uh, to to not see it. Uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. Watch it with your family on Thanksgiving. But both Ch UHF and Weird. Joe, you know that question where Kramer pops up next to Weird Al, when Stanley pops up next to Weird Al, and he's like, hey, if you were in space and you started screaming, you think your head would explode? And, and when I saw that, the first thing that popped into my mind was, this is the opposite of the Laura Palmer thing she says in the Twin Peaks movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, God. Uh, honestly... Watching, like watching and listening to like Michael Richards in certain points of uh, of this uh, movie, I because I, I started a job working with kids at a daycare. Well, I, I I do daycare work for the YMCA, and so like th those little questions that like Michael Richards will like ask Weird Al that just like tie into absolutely nothing. I was like I kind of related to Weird Al on that level because it's just like the, like these are kids like kids questions. These are 
questions that like kids at the Y at Y Care would come up and ask me. Which is <laughs> like, God, it, it's hilarious. I love it. Uh, speaking of speaking of Michael Richards and his uh, childlike acting in this, uh, his cornflakes commercial. <laughs> the, the absolute like insanity that was his cornflakes commercial where it's like he's like he's not even really advertising the product it's just like oh man this watermelon's good it tastes like poop oh you're talking Corn- about finding the toy in the cornflakes <laughs> got it cornflakes corn all he cares about is the toy in the cornflakes he's trying to advertise it but then just gets distracted by the toy ad-libbed uh. by michael richards apparently he was uh they figured out early on they could just point the camera at him and he would give them content that they deemed acceptable for the final release so like some of this just wasn't in the script like some of what michael richards says <laughs> specifically that segment god <laughs> the, the fact that that you, you know honestly i i don't think uh you could even script oh man this watermelon it's it's real good at Tastes like poop. Like poop. <laughs> <laughs> on, on both rewatches, that specific set part of the whole thing just got me. I'm just like, the fuck is going on? There's a um, point, if anyone wants to really pay attention to a very small part of the movie, where after the telethon starts, like right when it starts, Stanley goes and starts high-fiving a guy with vigor. He starts going going at it with this dude. And if you just stare <laughs> at those two actors just going at it and just high-fiving each other, the dude is making the funkiest face. It is a funny <laughs> moment, but you have to really like stare at a small section of the screen to see this brilliance. It's nuts. <laughs> God, I, I gotta go back and see uh, see if I can find that. I did a little thought <coughs> experiment in my head because I think a lot of people agree Weird Al is not just like a once-in-a-generation talent. I know there were people like Spike Jones who did this stuff before him, but it's like, for us, for modern media, with all the things that have changed since like radio into TV and internet, Weird Al has consistently just been not only a wholesome guy that everybody loves, but a consistent success after his initial breakout. Like, he is a much-beloved, you know, parody artist. And I was thinking, like... Uh, why haven't more people tried to make Weird Al movies, you know, like in the 2000s, maybe? Why didn't more people do this? How could you recreate this? And with who could you make another movie like this? And I was thinking only a couple of people would even be candidates in my mind. Like, if you were to make a movie just like this, with maybe Bo Burnham or Joji, fucking whatever Filthy Frank's real name is, those two guys, I think they might have the chops to do a movie like UHF. But it's impossible to find a guy who's exactly like Weird Al and has Weird Al's street credentials. He's just a beast. So yeah, yeah. There's really nobody like Weird Al, and anybody that's even remotely tried to be like Weird Al has just they they might have had like a brief like stint of popularity, but then they just kind of fell by the wayside. Yeah, like I don't think many people these days know who Neil Cesarica is, but back in the day that guy was hot. You know, right around the same time that White and Nerdy was hitting the radio. Yep. Oh man. He he he's the lemon demon guy, right? Yep. Ultimate yep. Showdown and uh, all those other wonderful songs. Yep. <laughs> the to- the song that Tanner spoofed in the beginning of the Everything Everywhere All at Once episode. <laughs> Uh, Bustin, that's another one. Like, the oh my god! <laughs> the, the, the Ghostbusters one. 
Neil Cesariga was a fucking genius. But yeah, like, just taking a parody artist and giving them a kind of wholesome, zany PG-13 movie is such a good idea for now that people's attitudes have laxed up a little bit, and critics aren't gonna say that this is, like, draining the brain fluid right out of your ears. <laughs> just a just batshit take on this movie. Alright, uh, do uh, you want you want me to machine gun some some shit you probably don't know at you? This fucking crazy shit. Yeah, we got about let's see, we're we're running at thirty six minutes. Let's do it. Machine gun that shit. All right. Uh, most of the indie sets were done in miniature. The the Indiana Jones set, a lot of that was miniature. Apparently, Who knew? I. It's like <laughs> I'm going to say this as sarcastically as possible. I couldn't tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if you watch the, it, it, especially if you watch it on Blu-ray, you can see like the lines that are like clearly the matte lines. Uh, <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, not, not not saying that it's a bad thing, but like you can very clearly see that it's uh, that they have Weird Al in front of like a blue screen or something. But uh, it works in its charm. David Lewis, the cinematographer of this movie, went on to do Children of the Corn 5 and Leprechaun 4 in space. He oh also, before this, he had shot 22 episodes of Pee-wee's Playhouse. So, hmm. Hmm. You know, that, that makes a hell of a lot of sense. <laughs> uh, Weird Al actually had moles removed halfway through filming. So, uh, so the one thing that's weird about the Weird Al commentary is sometimes he says fake things. And with the moles, I was like, oh, I'd have to rewatch it to know, but I only rewatched the commentary last. So there's like a 50% chance this is true. Weird Al got moles removed halfway through filming, so there's a continuity error with his moles, because he had a little cosmetic surgery halfway through filming. The rest <laughs> of these, though, I know are fucking real. So, uh, Uncle Harvey is named after Harvey Leeds from Epic Records, known for working with top dogs like The Clash, Bruce Springsteen, and being a huge part of the early music video industry. Uh, mm. Uncle Harvey's wife, played by Sue Ann Langdon, used to do movies with Elvis. Uh, she did Roust About and Frankie and Johnny with Elvis. And Billy Barty, known, known for being Noodles Macintosh, the little man, uh, has been acting since 1927. <laughs> Ah, Billy Barty. He came from vaudeville. He came from vaudeville, and he also did films with Elvis. That's two people in UHF who did films with Elvis. (laughs) Uh, He was also in uh, Masters of the Universe. Uh, He he was like, uh, what's the character's name? He was like the the dwarf character in that. (laughs) Damn it. Why do we live in 2022? I wish I could just... (laughs) Never mind. Uh, I don't know the character's name, Joe. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say Spritel from Speed Racer. Gwildor. Gwildor. <laughs> That's the character he played in the Masters of the Universe movie, which... Oh, uh, man. <laughs> Somehow that sounds more offensive than my joke about Spritel. Fucking calling him Gwildor. <laughs> Gwildor, and they put, like, uh, a ton of heavy makeup on him. He's got, like, these, like, really, like, it looks like he had like surgery done on his face and there's like excess like skin on his cheeks. Ooh. He's got like a really big ass nose. He, he looks like he, he looks like a, a, a like a deformed Gimli, but with 
with uh, the face of uh, Salacious Crumb, the uh, the little rat <laughs> thing from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> but, uh, Billy Barty also, um, he regularly appeared in Spike Jones's ensemble. Uh, not the director of adaptation. Back in the day, like your grandparents' day, uh, Spike Jones was this old band leader who did spoof songs, and he was a huge inspiration to Weird Al. Uh, Vance Colvig Jr., the, the bum in this movie who collects coins, his dad was the voice of Goofy and Pluto in the Disney cartoons, and was also recognized as the first Bozo the Clown. Huh. Interesting. The, the bum in this movie is Hollywood royalty, believe it or not. So, honestly, I would never have guessed that looking at the guy, because that, that, that's one of those, like, you look at him and you're like, where did they find this guy? He's like a Tim and Eric uh, actor, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and he, he's another one of those, like, small characters that has, like, bits that, like, steal the entire movie. <laughs> Just, uh... He, he gives uh, Weird Al the dollar after he gives him some change. <laughs> he's a coin collector. Uh, Philo is named after Philo T. Farnsworth, inventor of television. Uh, huh. Dig this. Uh, guess who was briefly in talks to do the score? Oh, God. Uh, I'm going to guess Danny Elfman. Wendy Carlos. What? From Stanley Kubrick's movies, like A Clockwork Orange. <laughs> That's Fa insane. Famous trans woman genius, Wendy Carlos, who almost did the soundtrack for The Shining. Genius. Uh, but yeah, that, that didn't last very long, because I, I don't know, Wendy Carlos was busy. Uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, R.J. Fleischer, it's from the OG Invasion of the Body Snatchers movie. Uh, let's see. So they shot the interiors of Channel 62 and Channel 8 in Tulsa. Uh, a lot of this movie was shot in Tulsa, and the community fucking loved the filming of UHF. Like, it was actually like a community thing, this filming of the movie. Tulsa was super excited. Uh, but they shot the interiors in Tulsa like they planned it to be that way because of this place called the Kensington Galleria. It had just opened, and there was an empty second wing of the mall that hadn't been rented out to anyone. And, attached to this mall, uh, or... There was a hotel attached to this mall, and so they had a mall that was close to set where they could go buy props, and then they could go to the hotel when shooting was done. <laughs> so uh, I think Weird Al compares it to like a bunch of hamsters being in a hamster cage. They just hung out for weeks at the Kensington Galleria, <laughs> which is like so ideal to have that. I wish I could make a movie where all the all the things were attached to each other. It's like a fun version of a company town. Uh. Stanley Spadowski has fake teeth on, in case anyone didn't notice. Yeah, that that I I assume that they were fake teeth, because I've also been watching a lot of Seinfeld as of late. I was like, I don't remember his teeth being that big. <laughs> it would be a bit more of a stretch for Kramer to get laid as much as Kramer does if he had Stanley Spadowski teeth. <laughs> this is true. Many people are saying this. The main mob guy, played by David Aaron Proval, his first role was actually in Mean Streets, the Martin Scorsese movie. He has third billing in that movie. He, just <laughs> <laughs> uh, he would go on to play Richie April in The Sopranos. Uh, get this, this is fucking funny. Spatula City was the first thing they shot for this movie. So when they sent dailies up to Orion, everyone at the company was worried. They're, like, seeing all this footage of, like, people shopping in a giant store full of spatulas. And they're like, did this guy just take our money? What's going on? God, okay. I, I want to make a movie where, like, I have, like, those little non-sequiturs. And 
just like for like the first couple weeks of filming, I just shoot all of the non sequiturs, sending it to the studio for like dailies. Because I, I just want to see like how many heart attacks I can like produce within those first two weeks. <laughs> okay, so that shot where um, George Newman hits Bobbo the Clown, uh, David Bowe's character, uh, with a pan. He actually hit him with a pan and he busted oh his lip. <coughs> God. Weird Al hit a guy with a fucking pan for this movie. Uh, Louis B. Washington, uh, the cameraman at Channel 8... Uh, the, the guy, he's mostly just shown, like, eating a sandwich. He's behind the camera in, inside the studio. His character name in the script was Burt Reynolds. <laughs> he, I, to my knowledge, he doesn't have any speaking lines in the final movie, but he does in the deleted scenes on the DVD. But it's just funny, they never said his name, but his official character title was Burt Reynolds. Um, yeah, I don't think he has a line in the whole movie, but I, I know which character you're talking about. He trips, he trips the guy outside the grocery store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, on the Wacky Pranks show coming up on Channel 62. <laughs> the animation for the Money for Nothing video was done by a guy named Rick Morris. He doesn't have any, like, IMDb credits after 1993. I could not figure out what this genius was has been doing lately. But get this, he did the Money for Nothing parody Beverly Hillbillies video at home on his computer over the course of three months. God. Which is insane, because that was pretty crazy CGI for, like, 1989. The fact this dude did it at home reminded me, like, how the buildings at the end of Fight Club uh, come down and, like, explode. That was also done by one dude in his basement. There are just, like, throughout history, there have been VFX guys who are like, eh, I'll just do it on my home rig. Fuck it. I want to I be in my pajamas while I work. <laughs> God. Okay. Uh, David Silverman from The Simpsons. As in the guy who directed the Simpsons movie. He designed the animated characters for the Money for Nothing Beverly Hillbillies video. Hmm. Uh, the international title for this was The Vidiot from UHF. Uh, Weird Al, initially, Orion uh, like was like, oh, people in European countries might not know what UHF is because it's not a thing over there. So uh, Weird Al was like, oh, let's call it The Vidiot. And then Orion was like, a couple days later, they're like, we're going to call it The Vidiot from UHF. And Weird Al was like, what? And they're like, we're going to tie it into the U.S. release. So they ended up putting UHF in it, even though no one in Europe would have known what that meant. Uh, <laughs> to prep for this movie, they watched Network, The Producers, and The Ratings Game to prep. Uh, David Bowe only did two takes of the grapes being thrown in his mouth scene. He was able to get that shit in two takes. He has four grapes tossed in his mouth in one take, and he catches all of them. Fucking crazy. Nice. Uh, the Red Snapper was supposed to be a swordfish, but they couldn't find one at the fish market that day. Uh, contest winners appeal at the wheel, wheel of fish scene. They actually had a be in my movie contest, and there's a couple people sitting in the audience who won a contest. I don't know. Uh... There was supposed to be at the end, uh, yeah, the fucking scene at the end with the poodles. You can find that on the deleted scenes. Uh, kid who gets hit with the fire hose is the son of the stunt <laughs> coordinator. <laughs> oh, God. Um, speaking of the fire hose, I'm going to bring up this little tidbit. We tried to get a guest on here. We tried to get Sydney Volpe on, but uh, she's not doing podcasts right now. She's busy. Uh, but I remember she had recently logged uh, UHF on her letterbox because i think she was gonna watch uh the uh al yankovic story weird uh at some point but she had logged it and then 
like I, I saw that she had raided it. And I just kind of go into the comments and just type in the fire hose, <laughs> just like in all caps, and then just <laughs> immediately get like a response back, like maybe five minutes later, of just like in all caps, just <laughs> yeah, because uh, ar- ar- arguably that's probably like my favorite like visual gag of the whole movie is the fire hose, just blasting a kid with high pressure water <laughs> out of a hose. <laughs> It's it's also the the image that uh uh it's the first image you see when you put on the Shout Factory Blu-ray is the kid getting sprayed with the fire hose. Ballsy, like it. <laughs> uh, there used to be a subplot where every time George screwed up, he'd give Terry a stuffed animal like every single time. And uh, there was like one scene where all the balloons are in her apartment. It was a bunch of stuffed animals. You can see these in the deleted scenes. Get this. Here's a couple of weird Al like personal ones. So there's, on the board, with all the shows for the lineup, there's one called Volcano Worshippers Hour, and that's a reference to a club that Weird Al was in in high school uh, called, you know, the Volcano Worshippers Club. They made it up, they didn't do anything in the club, and the only reason it was there so that was so that they could get an extra picture in the yearbook. <laughs> and also, uh, Weird Al's notorious mentor, Dr. Demento, can be seen in this movie. Uh, he, there's a point where, uh, during, like, sort of a montage of, like, Channel 62 stuff, a guy is getting sprayed in the mouth with whipped cream. That is Dr. Demento. And in the deleted scenes, you can find the whole shot of Dr. Demento just getting sprayed full of whipped cream by Kramer from Seinfeld. (laughs) Uh, Al wanted kung fu fighting for the let me be your hog pool scene, but they asked him for 12 grand, so Al wrote let me be your hog. (laughs) (laughs) god the uh trash tv send up town talk was based off an 11th hour suggestion made by orion so if you like that segment that's actually orion pictures who that inspired and gave you that uh do 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 uh let's see bob miris uh the thug on the left in the car scene where they kidnapped stanley was a tulsa police department bomb squad member so there is technically a bomb squad member in this movie. <laughs> Woo! Represent. Bomb squad representation. Uh, one of the Kipper kids, those like two weirdos going, way, way, like those fucking guys. <laughs> uh, one of those dudes is an investment banker. Uh, they get talked about how like they're married to Bette Midler, but he's also an investment banker somehow. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? <laughs> they almost got in trouble with the Gandhi 2 music because the general idea was make it sound like Isaac Hayes' score from Shaft, and they almost did it so well that, like, lawsuits were on the horizon. So they really, like, walked the line with that shit. Oh, uh, God. The guy playing Gandhi, of course, is the director of UHF, uh, and the guy who gets punched through the chest is pro boxer Andy Billups, who I believe is the owner of the Victory Boxing Club in Ed- Edmond, Oklahoma, today. Ellen DeGeneres auditioned for the role of Terry. <laughs> Dory really? was almost in this movie as Weird Al's love interest. That That's... Wow. Okay. <laughs> David Spade also auditioned for something, uh, but it doesn't say say what. Oh, Evil Dead 2 tie-in. Yay! Uh, the K&B effects group from Evil Dead 2 did the Weird Al muscle suit. The Rambo thing. That was the <laughs> Evil Dead 2 guys! Oh my god, those brilliant bastards. Also, it. 
it was shot on a freezing day, so it had a reverse RoboCop effect, where Peter Weller was sweating and needed to be hospitalized, Weird Al found himself oddly perfect, being in this heavy, like, sort of rubber foam suit on a very cold day. It just... <laughs> It was funny to everyone. They thought he'd be cold because he's in a shirtless-looking suit. Um, the helicopter rides for sale guy was supposed to be Sylvester Stallone. The producer of this movie, Gene Kirkwood, was the producer of Rocky back in the day. So they thought they had a chance, but Sylvester Stallone didn't end up going it for it. Uh, the set, the set where RJ addresses the town, actually, like that, that Channel Eight set took carpentry team a whole week to make. And they didn't show almost any of it. They stayed in on a close-up. But you can see a wide of it in the deleted scenes. And then, uh, last but not least, the Kyoto Brothers did the alien stop-motion for Philo's exits. These two were known for Large Marge from Pee-wee's Big Adventure and Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Killer Clowns, yes! And those are my fun trivia notes, so you don't have to watch the UHF commentary if you don't feel like it. I'll watch it anyway. It, it, it's probably a fun time. All right, we're clocking in at 52 minutes, uh, and honestly, I've got nothing else to add other than just talking about scenes from this, which we kind of already did. So we're just going to wrap it on up, and we're going to go into final thoughts. Uh, Austin, you got any final thoughts? Let me be your hug! <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, uh, my, my, my final thoughts are... Don't you know the Dewey Decimal System? <laughs> this movie is like kryptonite for anyone trying to be a film critic. You just, you treat it like a friend you've always known. It's like, I'm sorry, I can't objectively analyze this movie. It's my buddy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this movie is very, it's a, it's a very lovable movie. Like, you, you look at it and you're just like, aw. I can't hate you. <laughs> I, I'm part of the community that thinks UHF is important. I I, I support Channel 62. That's my political party. <laughs> Weird Al for president. God. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's sort of the thing. Weird Al has that Tom Hanks power where it's like your love for him clouds your ability to do, like, judgments or anything intellectual about Weird Al. You're just like, oh, he's that fucking guy who always makes me laugh. That guy rules. And then you're just stuck in a loop of quoting his shit. Exactly. Ah, uh, man. But yeah, no. Solid movie. I love I love it. Uh, check it out. Again, it's available for free on YouTube. Uh, you have to watch ads with it, though. But it's well worth your time. Uh, watch it this uh, Thanksgiving season with your family. It's a fun time for everyone around. Um, but you want to know who else... Is a fun time for everyone around. Who? You! <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I say that with so much enthusiasm, like Tanner. Uh, the, per the person listening to this podcast, uh, thank you all oh so very much for listening to our uh, bonus cast on UHF. Uh, let us know what you thought down in the comment section below. Uh I, I don't have any questions for you to answer. I don't really have a call to action. Uh, uh, do, do you know what uh, what UHF actually means? Comment below. Let us know. There we go. Also, what, why are you watching this on YouTube? It's probably just going to be a visualizer. Uh, but uh, the, the better place to actually check out the bonus cast is on our Spotify or on our Apple Music, music thing because we have our podcast on 
all of the major podcasting platforms. Go check us out there. Uh, check us out on our social medias, especially our Twitter. <laughs> Love our Twitter. You should especially check out our Twitter. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't think any current events will uh, will tear down our Twitter. Like our, our Twitter is just like really hopping right now. Man, <laughs> man, the, the the movie that we're talking about is like it's pretty dated. But me talking about Twitter has instantly dated this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, go check us out on our social medias. Uh, check us out on our Twitch. Check out our Patreon. Uh, uh, not not because Austin is hungry. We, we've made that joke so many times. Check it out, because we just want money. We need money so we can buy another lens when we, we shoot live-action shorts. We want a wide-angle lens, please. We also just like money. <laughs> we pay rent with it. Yeah. Um, and uh, while you're here on YouTube, hit the like button so we know how much you like us. Hit that subscribe button so we know how much you love us. And hit the bell icon to get notified on when we upload new videos. Uh, stay tuned, because we're probably going to have a few uh, bonus casts coming out over the holiday season. Uh, as I mentioned, one of which will be on Weird, the Al Yankovic story starring Daniel Radcliffe. Uh, look forward to that. But until then... We will see you guys in the future. Bon voyage. <laughs>